Hi friends, welcome to the Genesis of Shame podcast. I'm your host, Sam Landa, and I'm here to help you speak biblical truth to the shame you experience in relationships. My hope is that you grow in your understanding of how shame impacts you so you can learn how to connect with God and others. If you've experienced fear, hiding who you are, boundary issues, anxiety, and or depression in your relationships, then this podcast is for you. It's time to speak truth to your shame. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Genesis of Shame podcast. Um, we're in episode 40. I don't know, actually, because this one is is kind of... So I'm doing a series right now on um, abuse in the church, spiritual okay. abuse. And I'm doing it in series. So I did part one, which was released yesterday. All right. So that one's going to go on. And then now we're kind of seeing where we'll include this one but definitely before episode 50 so <laughs> there's a stat that says 70 something percent don't make it episode 50 so yeah. i'm excited about that yeah, um, so thank you for participating and being in this and guys so you know this is uh buck romero Hello. he is a pastor at bedrock lynchburg is it bedrock, bedrock lynchburg, lynchburg, yep. bedrock lynchburg and known him for years actually we went to the same church and now are doing this episode so it's been cool to just catch up with buck and we were just talking about basketball and stuff like that so that's another uh <laughs> thing that we love but today we're talking about a, another important topic this is something that's real uh dear to my heart and i know it's part of buck's heart and part of his ministry as well that he does at bedrock and just with people in general buck has always been open to meeting with you so um, if you're listening to him right now, he will put something on Facebook, say, you want to meet, you want to know about Jesus, feel free to reach out. And I appreciate that about you, Buck. So thank you for doing that. And um, we're going to talk about discipleship and the shame that comes with it. And it's, it's weird to think about that shame and discipleship. How does that work? But as we work through our um, podcast today, we'll look at a couple of things um, as to how shame kind of comes up in discipleship. But um, Buck, yeah, just to kind of give you the floor right now, just to kind of briefly introduce yourself and um, and uh, yeah, yeah, welcome to the show. Hey, well, thank you for having me, Sam. I appreciate being able to come on and, and talk with you. Uh, my name is Buck. Uh, I'm one of the elders at Bedrock Lynchburg, as you've mm -hmm. already stated. And, and honestly, I, I was having a conversation this week with a, a couple. They're they're strong in their faith, older, been on the journey on the backside of life. And we were just talking about God's work. And at the end of the day, I, I was explaining to them reasons why I believe. And, and you can explain it philosophically, logically, biblically, apologetically. And I mm. said, but the re greatest evidence of why I believe is Jesus changed me. Mm, mm. And, uh, and I think that's a big part of discipleship. And, and we'll talk a little bit about fear and discipleship. But when Jesus changes you... Um, mm. Am I doing it right? Maybe those questions start to fade because you know you've been changed mm. and you know the power of Christ and you want people to know Christ. Mm. And so all that, how do you do it, kind of goes out the window and it's just like, I want you to know Jesus. And, and so hopefully we'll be able to flesh some of that out today. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know, thank you so much for sharing that. I think um, one of the parts of shame that does come into this, so there's part of the audience is, grown up in the church and another part of the audience knew Christ later in their lives okay. and one of the themes that I've seen I think you've seen as well is that for those who grew up in the church it, there's always this moment where they receive the Lord very early on mm -hmm. you know five six seven 
and then they have like this rebellious stage in their teenage years. <laughs> you know, you work with youth before, and then at some point, maybe going into college or at the end of high school, they say, I re recommitted my life to right. the Lord. So that's one story. And then you have the other side where I was not a Christian at all. I was doing whatever I wanted. I, you know, I did drugs, I had sex, I did everything mm. under the sun. And then Jesus came into my life yeah. and he changed me. Yeah. So we have these two stories, right? And on one side, the shame comes from my testimony isn't as powerful. Mm. And on the other side, it's I have a lot of baggage, yeah. right? So, you know, working with young adults, working with teenagers, having your own experience, um, talk to us a little bit about that. Like, how do Christians make sense of this? Because this is the audience that we're speaking to. They right. either they grew up in the church or they came to know the, the Lord later on, and they're struggling with either of these questions. Right. No, I, I think that's a great question, and, and honestly, it, it's probably definitely top five questions I've received as a youth pastor over the years from kids who have grown up in the church. So they got mm -hmm. strong. Um, church experience strong parents that love jesus and, and their parents are discipling them and they're like but how how do i know that jesus has changed me when when like this has been my entire life mm. and, and i think it's a great question and i also think there's a clear answer and this is what i've always said is regardless if it was you were five or you were 25 the change is done of Christ in you. And this is what I mean. Mm. For a young person that grew up in the church and they profess Christ, and it's a genuine profession, and they're like, how do I know? This is all I've ever known. I've been, my parents have discipled me. Mm -hmm. How do I know? And I always say this, what do you desire when no one's around? Mom, dad aren't watching. You know how to give all the right answers. Mm -hmm. But what is going on in your heart and in your mind when no one's around like what do you think on what do you dwell on and, and the reason why that question is relevant whether you grew up in the church or not is is because those motives are either christ-centered motives or they're human-centered motives mm. and they're only christ-centered motives if you've had an experience with christ and salvation mm. either at five or 25 mm -hmm. and, and this is one of the things that i think is one of the great confidence that come from god is is what is it that you are dwelling on and thinking on that drives you? And that's mm. fruit and evidence of Christ in you. Mm. And I realize some of the pushback may be like, well, like, do you mean all the time? Well, just real clear to the audience, none of us are perfect. That's, mm. that's why we need Jesus. Mm. Um, and one way that fleshes its way out is even when you're tempted or even when you sin, what's your response? Mm -hmm. like no one caught you in your sin it's just you you're the only one that knows what's your response mm. is there remorse is there conviction well i'm just telling the audience if that's the case humans don't do that on their own that's a god-driven result that conviction that desire of repentance and remorse mm. so again that's an affirmation that you do know christ mm. and, and so i don't know if i see i, I see the difference initially growing up in the church and not growing up in the church. Sure, yeah. But I, I think if we just step back and, and we're just like, is there evidence of God in me, mm -hmm. whether you were in the church or not? I think that's where our confidence needs to be, not in our testimony. Hmm. The confidence is okay. that Jesus changed me. Okay. Not just actions, but what I think and what I feel in my heart and how I respond to sin or injustice or the sin of others. Does, does the sin of others 
Does it break my heart for them? Do mm. I care for them? Mm-hmm. Um, these are all Christ-like attributes. So, yeah. yeah, I think that's where I would go with that. Okay, okay. Yeah. And what do you tell someone who... Um, who does feel like they don't have this powerful testimony other than, you know, has your life changed? How do you respond to these things? But let's say they can't get, I feel, I feel like I meet so many people that just can't get over that. Like your testimony, the power isn't in you coming back from this, you know, desolate place and you were just in shame and, and you rose up, you know, and God brought you out of all that. Some it's in the change that happens when he does enter your heart. And it, I think we sometimes envy just the the story of others, but with that, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, is that those who have experienced more, maybe participated in more sin, they're they are having more stuff to deal with, and that's part of their journey that they're yeah. given to God. Would yeah. that be accurate? You know, Sam, I, I think you're right on. I, there, there's certainly this idea that that the greater sins you've been forgiven, there seems to be a greater appreciation. Yeah, of that so mm-hmm. and that idea is certainly communicated through scriptures, and, and so there's that element. But for the person that maybe there's no grotesque sins as we identify mm-hmm. them, and, and it's just it's been a pretty good life, but they still saw their need for Jesus. I would say, don't worry about your testimony, but think about the grace of God that protected you from those gross sins. That's good. And, yeah. And, and again, mm-hmm. um, when we think of his grace and protecting us, it makes it about God and not about our testimony. Sometimes I feel mm, like you turn our testimony good. into an idol. Yeah and, yeah. and whether it's gross sins or, you know what, I grew up in the church and I don't have any gross sins. Either way, it's the grace of God that we should make much of, mm. not, not our testimony. Our testimony matters, but it only matters if God gets the glory. Amen. Yeah, Man, I love that. Okay, yeah. yeah. That's good, and I think that's something that the audience does need to listen to. You know, today's churches, you know, I call it the uology movement. Okay. Everything's about you, mm-hmm. you know, your growth, your purpose, your passion, all of that. And there is no glory. You know, there's the statement about good glory to God, but the, the life itself doesn't seem to reflect a lot of that. Um, but then again, we get back to that point of like, how much am I actually seeing? Do I see them in their moments where they're desperate and calling out for God or not? So I don't, you know, my my truth and justice meter is all the way over here, and the grace meter is like right here. I always teeter between those two, so I'm learning to be a little bit more leaning more to grace. But um, but yeah, how about for the other person who feels like they they are saved, they have committed their lives to the Lord, and they just feel ashamed of the of the past of their past. Yeah, and that's always something to look at. One of the questions that came up was. Um, is God punishing me for yeah, my past sins? Yeah, that's a big question. Yeah, um, yeah. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, you know, it, it, it is a great question, and, and honestly, in a very human-like way, that question makes sense. Mm-hmm. And, and what I mean is, it, it kind of teeters into this idea of a debtor's ethic, in which, mm-hmm. in which, hey, if I do things for God, He will bless me, mm-hmm. and and then I owe Him one. And then there's that debtor's mm. ethic. But the antithesis of that is if I'm not doing good things or I, or I did something really wicked, man, God's out to get me. Mm. That makes sense in this world because that's how humans work. Mm-hmm. And what we need to do is we need to make sure we understand how God works. Mm-hmm. And first and foremost, we need to recognize that God does not work like us at all, Sam. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I would say to that is 
you said that they know that they have been changed, that they're a genuine believer. Um, you got to preach to yourself. And one of the things that really comes to mind is, is Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Um, you got to believe, as a Christian, you believe that Jesus fulfilled the law perfectly mm -hmm. because you couldn't. Mm -hmm. All right? So if you believe that initially in your faith life, then why would you stop believing that after you profess faith? Mm -hmm. You're never going to be perfect. And and so mm -hmm. when you have maybe this grotesque sin that maybe it's, it's on your back and, and you just feel like you haven't done your penance, you got to come back to Scripture and say, that's what Jesus did on the cross. I mean, that's the truth. That's, that's why Jesus was on the cross is because of your sin and my sin. Mm -hmm. And what Jesus does on that cross is he takes our sin and says, I'm going to pay the penalty so you don't have to. But the great thing is he not only takes the penalty, but then he says, I'm going to give you, Sam, my righteousness. Mm. And so what I would say to that believer is Jesus took your penalty, but don't forget this part. He gives you his righteousness. Mm. So a father's not out to get you when he looks at you. If you're a true believer, he sees Jesus and his perfect righteousness. Mm. That's freeing, but now here's the thing: we're human. I mean, we're <laughs> right. like, yeah, but right. I really messed up, mm. and I would respond to say to yourself, "Yeah, but Jesus really died and rose from the grave. Mm. He covered it all." Mm -hmm. and, and this is where faith is now practiced. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we talk about faith. I profess faith in Christ. I'm a believer, and we kind of leave faith right there. But faith says, "No, I profess Christ, and now I'm a believer." I profess Christ, and even in this sin, by faith, I believe Jesus' death was enough. Hmm. And even in this sin, I believe Jesus' death was enough. And uh, it's a faith. Hmm. And, hmm. And, and you know you're practicing faith when you find yourself moving forward after Jesus, not sitting back, sulking in your sin. Hmm. The enemy's That's got good. you right where he wants you. And Jesus says, I've come to give you life. I've come to give it to you more abundantly. Not because of what you do, but because of what I've done. And because mm. of what I've done, I'm going to work through you and grow you. Mm -hmm. so I don't know if that helps. No, that's good. 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 I like that. Um, yeah, I think one, one question that popped into my mind as you were sharing that was um, the other side to that is those who abuse grace mm. and who will go with that line of thinking. And I have seen that grow a lot, too. Yeah, and I think it's because... Um, I don't know, actually. I think the churches, at least the ones that I hear, they're more popular maybe, who have a, a bigger platform. I think they avoid that aspect of uh, repentance and sin. I don't hear it talked about as much anymore. And you can't repent of something if you can't identify it. Mm. So what I'm seeing is that, well, you know, I've been forgiven. I have the grace of God, but I'll still do kind of what I want to do. Um, and I don't know if you've seen that or is it just me thinking too much into it yeah uh, but i have heard stories from various people where they say you know they're just they're doing whatever they want and yeah. you know their their response is well i'm cleansed now yeah so um yeah i mean is there something that we can speak to them who are yeah. maybe in that position who maybe have abused grace right should i sin, yeah. continue sinning and, and and let grace abound right you know? well what, what you just cited is Romans six i was just mm -hmm. turning there and you're right, Sam. I, I think I think at this point there may be less people articulating that thought. Mm. Like like, hey, I'm cleansed, 
I'm under the grace of God. Hmm. He understands. I, I, I hope we're at the point where people are like, ah, I'm not going to be so bold to articulate that. I realize <laughs> right. some do. That's true. But in practice, we live that way. Okay. I, I do think okay. there's a lot of people who live that way. Gotcha. As if, you, know, you know what? I know I shouldn't be doing this. But, uh, I mean, God's grace covers me. Hmm. And, and, you know, I just want to read this. Yeah. You cited it. But this is out of Romans 6. And, and what's, curious, what's interesting is there's nothing new under the sun. Mm-hmm. So Paul has written this letter to the Romans, and, and because they're battling the same thing, he says mm-hmm. this, he says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? And then he says, By no means. How can we who have died to sin still live in it? Mm-hmm. And so some translations will say, God forbid that you would ever have that idea that, you know what, I'm in grace, so yeah, I should do this, but God's, he's got my back. Paul says, God forbid that you would ever have that mm. idea. Because what that is, is that's an abuse and a misunderstanding of God's grace. Because mm-hmm. here's the kicker. This is key, and I really hope I communicate this well. <laughs> grace isn't just the act of forgiving sin, but, but it includes the act of God sanctifying you from sin. Mm. And, and so I think theologically, we've done a good job of explaining grace, the act of forgiving. But... Uh, Grace is permeated all through the sanctification process. And mm-hmm. sanctification just means becoming more like Jesus, becoming more holy. Mm-hmm. And that's why Paul says, God forbid that you would ever think that the grace of God allows you to be like, ah, I know I shouldn't do this, but that's okay. God's got me. Mm-hmm. God forbid. Because now you're, now you're de- doubling down and resisting what grace really is. Mm, no, yeah. that's good. And and thank you for saying that because you're right. I think maybe it is something the more in practice and, and being bold about where I'm at is uh is, is a different different animal to tackle. Yeah. Um okay, well that's good. So I think at this point we kind of talked about what it looks like for believers when they do come to know the Lord, what happens after that. So to read a little bit here in Matthew twenty-eight. And this is basically going to be the, the core of our, of our topic today, discipleship. It says, uh, verse 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptize, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Te- teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Mm. So we're talking about discipleship, and we talked about salvation, the process for that, how to know Jesus, and now discipleship, so important. And we talked a little bit about the shame, like what yeah. people bring to that relationship. Yeah. So the reason why I thought about this topic was because I remember uh, meeting with someone. They were a believer. They were struggling with some sin. We were working through that. And then they were saying, um, I don't feel like I, I can disciple anyone. Mm. And I said, why not? He's like, well, I'm still wrestling with this thing that I haven't overcome. And I don't feel comfortable with that. And I, I do remember experiencing that as well. Yeah. Or maybe not speaking to that issue with specific people. Right. Um, but they were feeling that. And I wanted to get your thoughts. Like, is that something that we should be concerned about? Or do we disciple and allow God to continue working in that area? Yeah. What does that look like yeah. for, for Christians? It's interesting. I I'm convinced the greater you step out in faith, the more empowerment you get through the Holy Spirit through your own sins. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think the enemy wants believers who maybe are struggling with the sin 
and uh, to convince them, hey, you're not ready yet. Hmm. And in doing so, they're exactly where the enemy wants them to be and exactly where God doesn't want them to be. Hmm. And, and, and so what I would say is really this. I use the word struggle. All right? mm -hmm. So there's an implication that if you have sin in your life, and we all do, but a habitual sin, right. there's an implication here that as a believer, you're fighting, you're resisting, and you're, you're wrestling and struggling. Hmm. If that's the case, I want to encourage you to go and to disciple, to be an encouragement to others in their faith life. And really for me, discipleship is simply helping others to become more like Jesus mm -hmm. as you seek to become more like Jesus. Mm -hmm. it, it really isn't complicated in that sense. The goal is to become more like Jesus, <laughs> right? right? Um, right. But if, if there's no struggle and, and you're like, you know what, I'm, I'm doing this sin and that's what it is. Um, yeah, I, I would encourage you not only not to fake it, if you will, in discipling, but I really encourage you to examine again your own life. Mm. Um, have you really experienced that regeneration? Because again, as a believer, the Holy Spirit indwells you. And that Holy Spirit, one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is conviction. Mm. Conviction of sin and a conviction toward holiness. Um, for, for a Christian to continue in habitual sin and, and not fight it at all. Um, flags definitely need to come up. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're not saved, but it could mean that. Mm -hmm. And I would say if you've gone 20 years, 25, and just year after year, and you're in the same spot, man, I, I, it's, I would encourage you to really examine your faith life. Mm -hmm. And do you really have faith? Mm -hmm. um, and, that, and that, again, is maybe a little bit different than what we've used to hearing. Right. But, but I... I read these scriptures over and over again, and God is changing people toward holiness. Mm. And um, I just, and we talk about the fruit of holiness, and that's where our confidence is supposed to come from, mm -hmm. not in some profession, but actual God's work in us. Man, that, that, I think it's good to examine yeah. if, you, if there is no desire, if there is no struggle, mm -hmm. sin, like, flag's got to go up. Right, right. Yeah. And so, this is something that all Christians all Christians need to do, right? Because this yeah. is this is a command that as um it's the last command to the disciples. Yeah. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Now, interestingly enough, this past year we had COVID. Yeah. Right? Um and you know, you and I were talking right before the uh podcast about how it's changed things yeah. and um, you know, in counseling, we saw kind of the same thing. We, we did um, tele, telecounseling. Yeah. And it was different. It was just weird. And, and, you know, you didn't get the feel for everything as well as you could in person. Um, you felt tired after it because you're trying to pick up on social cues. So I'm wondering what discipleship looks like for each era. Like, what did it look like at the beginning when they first started? Mm -hmm. I mean, they traveled everywhere. For us, we had different... Um, technological you know advances that we've made that help with that but is it the same yeah you know so for me this person to person i feel both from a counseling perspective and just interacting with right. people is more effective certainly um but we may be putting that in a box i don't know and i could i do tend to do that so um <laughs> <Like> we all do <laughs> yeah so so yeah tell us a little bit about that like what does discipleship look like obviously the goal is to make to make um, ourselves or to look more like Jesus, right. to help others look more like Jesus. 
So what does that look like? What did that look like this past year for you yeah. or for others, you know? Yeah, well, so it's really interesting just kind of comparing time. So first century, Jesus comes onto the scene. Um, he's identified as a rabbi. And, and it wasn't uncommon in the first century mm. for these rabbis to have their followers to disciple them. And it literally mm. meant to follow them. Mm. And, and again, it's not a complicated word. Mm. Um, and so you see Jesus saying, hey, Peter, follow me. And they just get up and follow, right? right? And uh, this life on life, going together, was a huge component. And so to your point about that face-to-face, that being personable, that is a big part of discipleship. Hmm. Now, um, we live in a world in which you and I can do this face-to-face, or we can do this 3,000 miles apart. Hmm. And, and the only thing that is different is proximity. Hmm. But we're still able to communicate. We're still able to be intimate and so forth. Um, personally, I think I'm more the guy that's be in the same room together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but here's one thing I do think that's helped in this COVID season. And you've probably seen this from the counseling. I've certainly read many articles about how anxiety and depression has been up in this last year. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what I've noticed is a greater openness to intentionality of following Jesus, which means opportunities for discipleship. Mm-hmm. Um, mortality has an incredible way mm. uh, of, of reminding people of their own vulnerability. Mm. And, and so, again, I'm not celebrating COVID, I, but I am emphasizing God redeems everything. Mm. And I think this COVID season has really made a lot of people examine their mortality and has opened them up to things that maybe they wouldn't have been before. Mm. I mean, especially as Americans. I mean, we got it good. Even... even Americans who who are maybe lower in socioeconomically, like like they're still, they got it pretty good, right? Compared to the world, mm-hmm. and, and so I mean challenges, like like they're just different here. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden COVID hits, and all of a sudden, and not getting into the right or wrong politically and all that stuff, but all of a sudden you're watching the news and you're like, am I gonna die? Hmm. Is my wife gonna die? Or my kids gonna die? Like like. How, how do I lead my home through all these? And these are real questions that everyone had to go through, mm. especially initially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Vulnerability is absolutely where God wants us. Mm-hmm. And so in many ways, um, I think God has redeemed COVID in the lives of a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people have come to faith during this season mm. and, and have grown in their faith. So um, that discipleship aspect, whether it's face-to-face or you know, through cameras or whatever, again, the goal is to help people become more like Jesus as you're becoming more like Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and I just think God redeems all scenarios and situations. Mm-hmm. Like, like, it's there on the table. However, you didn't go there, but as a pastor, I got to say this. If you're a Christian, I realized we were watching videos, watching sermons online. If you're a Christian, you need to be in the church, mm-hmm. not watching from home and -hmm. I realize there's health issues for different people Mm -hmm. but if you're able to be in the church you need to be back in in your local church yeah I think the enemy (laughs) definitely has used COVID as a as an excuse to do Christianity without being a Christian Mm -hmm. let's Mm -hmm. let's not do Christianity let's let's be Christians right let's do it together agreed agreed thank you for saying that you know there's something about having that physical proximity Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, in discipleship, something that came up for me as I was talking about that, I said, one thing that helps me is as I can get closer to someone, not just proximity wise, but even know how they deal with life, how they deal with their families, because hearing one thing is different than seeing it. And that's why I am such a strong proponent of going to church, Mm -hmm. right? And being close with people. It doesn't have to be everyone, but picking, you know, three to five couples or people, whoever, and just being close with them because you see how they handle life. I feel very self-conscious when I have people over because my boys are wild, you know, (laughs) or if, you know, my wife and I had a fight and there's a little tension there, like you feel seen. Yeah. But how we deal with that, it's one of the things that it's good for others to see that. And how are we coping with that? Right. Part of discipleship is being more like Jesus. So how am I responding to that? Am I raising my voice? Am I losing my cool? Right. All of it. So that's why as embarrassing or vulnerable I may feel, I know that essentially it's a good thing because I've seen that with other people and I admire that because it's just real life and I'm seeing them deal with it. I'm like, man, they are reflecting Jesus. But there's a disconnect for me when there's the words, here's what it looks like to follow Jesus. But when I see it in the person's life, that for me is so encouraging, even as they're, you know, working through something that um, they might not want anyone else to see. So that's, that's kind of where I'm coming from. And yeah. just wanted to get kind of your thoughts on the benefits of going to church or being close mm-hmm. with people because I think that's part of discipleship too. Yeah, you know what, Sam? I'm glad you just said what you said because it triggered a thought in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're not aware, there's this, there's this question about the first disciples. Mm-hmm. Were they saved when they began following Jesus mm-hmm. or were they saved after the resurrection? Right? So we're going to stay away from that theological <laughs> right. question. Okay. But the point in my mind is, is either way, they were following Jesus. Hmm. And now the question for me is, why did Jesus have them follow him? Hmm. And to me, it seems really clear as we go through the Gospels. He has them following for several reasons. One, he's going to demonstrate how his kingdom works. He's going to demonstrate that he has authority over sickness, over life and death over over nature over mm. food and wine like he show all these miracles aren't for him to say hey look at me i'm the man right they're right. all designed to say look at me i am god and i rule over all of this mm. and, and so the disciples saw this and to your point um when we can see each other do life um we realize that hey we all struggle mm-hmm. how are we going to struggle together yeah. Um, one of the greatest benefits of doing life together in that sense is um, when you have people over at your house, you respond differently to the way your boys react than when <laughs> it's, it's true. just you, right? So, true. so yeah. some people are like, well, that's hypocritical or that's fake. It could be. I don't dismiss that. Mm-hmm. But what I think it is, is I think when people are over at your house, that's accountability. Yeah. And, and, it, yeah. and, and so I'm trying to come from a positive side and it's helping to train you like, you know what? If I can do this when I have guests here, Mm. I can do it when no one's here. Yeah. I need to swallow my pride when Mm. no one's here and still disciple my family in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. and so again, there's that life on life. That's one of the benefits of it is, I think it's accountability. Church Mm. attendance, again, you can go to church and just leave and never reap the benefits of it. True. But, But if you're going to church out of an act of faith, and you're trying to grow in your faith, one of the big proponents of, of 
church attendance is accountability, which means people are getting into your life. Yeah, and yeah. So I, I hope that helps bring some clarity. No, it does. Why. I think. Yeah. I, I think this discipleship life on life is huge. Mm-hmm. And people don't like accountability today, though. You yeah. know, and that's <laughs> and that's a cultural thing. Like yeah. it, it's it's the culture. The culture. Let me do my own thing. I don't need to get involved. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna go to church, enjoy the music, enjoy the message, and then go home. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're right. I think the accountability aspect is a is a huge part of, of of what we're discussing today. But we don't like that. Yeah. And I think that's the thing: is how involved do I want you to be in my life? Yeah. I was having a conversation with someone. Um, this is for a different podcast about um, how much we share with each other. Yeah. And that's all based on trust. So I'll share a little bit. You responded well. Gave me some mm-hmm. good. And I keep on going more and more and more. But one of the things that he had mentioned in our discussion, he said, all of us give like, you know, we start with 70%, we work our way to 80, mm-hmm. 90%. We think this this is the closest person you have to you. Yeah. They know 90 to 95% of you. And that last 5% of you, you just kind of keep it to yourself and yeah. keep it between you and God. And I don't know why that is. Yeah. I don't know if that's an actual, this is reserved for God or if this is a fear of going deeper. Yeah. All of you, right? I yeah. mean, this is the genesis of shame started in Genesis, there right? The exposure. I see all of you, and I need to pull back because I don't like this, right? Right. And in, in, from God, it's I failed you. I yeah. broke your commandments. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. So the accountability aspect. Talk to us a little bit about that in discipleship. Mm-hmm. You know, how what kind of questions does someone who disciples? What do they ask? Yeah. Should they ask? Is can they ask anything? Yeah. Like, what does that look like? All right, so I may go at this a, a little bit differently. Okay. And if it doesn't make sense, just let me know. So All far, right. everything's, been, everything's been clear. Cool, good, good. cool. Because, <laughs> because um, you know, I, I came, I transferred to a Christian school at 21. The Lord had just really just had revealed my rebellion and, and led me to repentance. And so I'm fresh and, and so I'm learning all. I don't even know Christian culture, so mm-hmm. I'm learning it. And mm-hmm. so you're supposed to be discipled. I'm at this Christian school, and, and so discipleship was, let's read this book, let's memorize scripture. And by the way, all these things are really, really good. Mm-hmm. But but what I found is I was growing in my faith, so I reproduced that. That's how I started discipling people. And what I found was is that we gained a lot of information, a lot of knowledge, and that's important. Uh, we grew in our understanding of God intellectually, um, but then I noticed it really became, became conversations about our battle with sin. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, sin is real, and it's persistent, and it, it is a part of the faith life. But then I also started to grow in my understanding of the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And I realized that discipleship, the way at least I was experiencing and even practicing, was, was less about the intentionality of bringing forth the kingdom of God and more about just how do I just please God with my moral behavior. Mm. And and so here's what I'm proposing. You know, you you read out Matthew 28 that Jesus is summing up everything. But if you read the whole gospel of Matthew, you can do this in any gospel, but let's just say Matthew 5 through 7. This is the Sermon on the Mount. Mm -hmm. And, And Jesus is introducing how his kingdom works He's, he's showing how followers in his kingdom will live and how they'll react. And it's crazy because 
it's the exact opposite way that anyone in that audience would have known how to live. Hmm. Um, like love your enemies, right? Like who <laughs> right. does that? Um, yeah. You lust in your heart, you commit adultery. Like, I mean, Jesus hmm. is just saying, this is how my kingdom works. And, and then you get to Matthew 28 and he says, teach them to obey all these commands. Well, what are the commands? Everything that he just talked about in Matthew 5 through 7, and then obviously the rest of the gospel, the commands are his kingdom. Hmm. And obviously that can be summed up in love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and likewise love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. That all can be summed up. So I say all that to say this. Um, the more faithful you are in, in fulfilling the imperatives of Scripture, the greater victory you will have over sin. Hmm. And so for me, discipleship has has gone from just, hey, Sam, how, are you struggling in this area or that area? And, and that's part of it. Mm -hmm. But the, all right, Sam, how can we be faithful today? You and I, where do mm -hmm. we go to be faithful? And uh, I think the freedom that exists is, is faithfulness to God is positive and it, and it feeds our very spirit because it, it, the spirit of God is producing that want in us. And in doing so, it empowers us to be in the spirit, which is how you resist sin. Whereas, mm. if you just look at sin and like, I shouldn't do this, Sam, I got to confess to you. Will you pray for me? Yeah, brother, I'll pray for you. And then next week I come back and, man, I still, I'm still messing with this sin and all that. And we have never even talked about fulfilling the imperatives of Scripture, but we've certainly talked about me fulfilling my flesh. Mm. So where's the onus on now? Mm. It's on me mm. and not on God. And, and so... For me, I feel like the Lord has really shown me that that discipleship, again, is, is helping be, people become more like Jesus as you become more like Jesus. What was Jesus concerned about? Right, Matthew 6, hmm. I think it can all be summarized there. Jesus says, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So God, we revere you. You are God. And he says, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. It's crazy. And then he goes through the rest of the prayer. And at the end of the chapter, let, let me just read this for you yeah, real yeah. quick. Because this is, this is just crazy to me. Hmm. He says, so, you, so you're going to seek out this kingdom. You're praying for this kingdom. Don't lay up your treasures in heaven, or lay up your treasures in heaven, not on earth. <laughs> and then he comes down and he summarizes this. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is, is its own trouble. Mm -hmm. So what he's saying is just live faithfully today and if you'll do that tomorrow you'll be exactly where i want you to be hmm. if you do it again tomorrow you'll be exactly where i want you to be the next day um so discipleship to me is about being faithful to whatever imperatives you know from scripture today hmm. that's hmm. what i think we need to talk about hmm. now that sounds good i think it does <laughs> um, but it's hard because because to be faithful to god's kingdom is is to bring great inconvenience to our life, especially mm. if, we, if we haven't been practicing that faith. Because to love people, it's inconvenient. Hmm. It takes time, it takes work, it takes energy, and it costs you financially. Yeah. Well, all of a sudden, now you're talking about me and hmm. this is all mine. And so it, it is much easier to say, be faithful to the imperatives than it is to do it. Right, and right. So I, I lay that Very out much agree with that. to the audience, Whatever you know God has declared in Scripture, whatever it is, I think the easiest place to start, Sam, is, is forgiveness. Hmm. 
we're called to forgive and it does not matter what has occurred mm-hmm. what the uh, what what needs to be forgiven mm-hmm. um, we're called to forgive and I just encourage the audience to to if that's a struggle and there's some gross things out there that people have mm-hmm. gone through so mm-hmm. I'm not minimize that pray to God just say, God will you help me to forgive as you forgive mm-hmm. I mean that's a step of faith God I'm so angry I'm so mad but will you help me to forgive? So I think that's where probably most people need to start is forgiveness. Mm. And, and I'm not telling you to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and forgive people. I'm sure, saying, sure. go before the throne of grace and say, God, help me to demonstrate forgiveness like you've done to me. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Um, that point or that statement made me, reminded me of when Jesus was on the cross and he's there and what does he say he says father forgive them for they know not what they do and what was he referencing specifically there because i've heard well one of the points that was made was was he trying to do we don't believe in universal Mm -hmm. forgiveness or something like that Mm -hmm. um so it wasn't that what was he forgiving them for at that point you know sam so i i try not to to make bogus answers so i'm going to say (laughs) this with uh to your question I don't know if this I can say this authoritatively. Okay. But but I would and say this just off the cuff. I think that's a great question. I've never thought about it. Mm-hmm. But I but I think it, it it's Jesus extending that common grace to humanity is Agreed. how I would respond to yep. it. Um like again, remember he looked out at Jerusalem and he cried because mm-hmm. they're lost in their sins. And and now these people have him up on the cross and they're celebrating. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, God, they don't even know. So I, I think this is an example, again, of God's heart mm-hmm. toward people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For, for, and for those of you, just to take a, a short pause here, who are experiencing shame, who are experiencing guilt, or who are currently wrestling with sin, this is, this is the core of what we're talking about. Uh, for you to know what that process of being saved looks like, and then also what discipleship looks like, because this is something that we are to do as Christians. Yeah. And and maybe here's the other part for us is are we being discipled yeah. as well? Yeah. Right. And I think that's a. What do you think about that? So there's the disciple, there's the disciple, discipler, or the and the disciplee. Um, should everyone have someone discipling them? You know, yeah. there's in the business world. You know, it, it's spoken of as mentorship yep. and all that. Um, and I like to separate from that discipleship is different from mentorship. Sure. So, um, should everyone have someone discipling them? Yeah. Okay. So what this looks like again, under my definition, mm-hmm. helping others to become more like Jesus as you become more like Jesus. Absolutely. And, and the reason why I want to make that qualifier is I know there's a tendency to be like, you know what? And, and 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 not in an arrogant way. Sure, sure. Just like you know what, like right now, there there really is nobody else in my life that's mm-hmm. further ahead in the journey as me. Mm-hmm. Um, because that there is this old discipleship um, idea that says, "Hey, you can disciple anyone that you're one step ahead," hmm. and, and it's kind of a truism that, that it makes sense logically, and I don't dispute it. Mm-hmm. But I I think God is big enough to use people that may be two steps behind you to disciple you. Hmm. And, and, and so to answer your question, so it's always been a wrestling with, with me personally. Um, 
over the years, especially when I was younger, I, I reached out to so many pastors trying to be discipled and mentored, going mm-hmm. into ministry and various reasons it just never happened. It was so frustrating. Mm-hmm. And I, I think by the grace of God, he led me to a place now where um, I meet with men that, well, one has passed away from COVID, um, mm-hmm. but met Sorry. monthly with some older gentlemen in their 80s. And, and to a T, none of them are scholars. None of them are theologians. But uh, their love for Jesus and the mm-hmm. way they did life and, and are doing life has taught me and discipled me in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. So yes, I, I think you, you've got to have people in your life discipling you. Mm-hmm. And, and so I would just ask the audience to be more open to what discipleship is. Mm-hmm. It's helping others to become more like Jesus as you're seeking to become more like Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's not a hierarchy thing. Mm, that's good. I, I think yeah. it's like, let's just pursue, pursue Jesus together. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Admittedly, there are people who disagree with that, and that's fine. <laughs> but, but that's where right. I'm at. Yeah. 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 And, and I don't think you're not saying that there are no um, positions in the church right. where that are laid out in the Bible. It's more of we shouldn't see ourselves as I'm better or worse because I'm in this position right, or not. Right. Thanks for clarifying. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. God has clear roles throughout the church mm-hmm. and throughout the body. But man, one of the one of the coolest things when you talk about body imagery is is every part's needed. Yes. Under the headship of Christ. Agreed. Yep. Christ is the head. So yeah. Very clear. Very clear. And you know, um, along with that with discipleship is in being together with other church members, you're right. Like I benefit a lot from looking at older couples mm-hmm. and seeing how they've done life, how they're raising their kids. And I'm asking myself how did your kids come out like that? You know, <laughs> I had neighbors, you know, before we moved to this house, their kids were always outside working. They were doing something. And they, I mean, they just loved it. At least yeah. that's what it looked like to me. I don't know <laughs> if they did. But um, I asked them, like, you know, your kids are great. They would come over and help me, like, when I had to dig a little hole for my fire pit. And they were just great kids. Yeah. And I was like, you know, they were, I don't know if they were believers or not, but just the aspect of seeing that happen. And in church, when you have believers who are, older and you see how their lives how they live their lives like i can learn from that no doubt and the other side to being the two steps behind is the new believer when they come in with so much passion and zeal and are just on fire ready to just preach the gospel to everyone and i think that's one of the things that i would tend to lose on is that because i've grown up in the church i wasn't able to see that experience i heard the testimonies right a lot of from a lot of people from our church um so seeing them come in with that zeal for me is just a reminder of what that was like when you first start. Um, and then as you get older, maybe um, focusing on the discipleship aspects mm-hmm. some more. Um, but everyone, to your point, everyone is needed and everyone can bless you in a specific way Absolutely. if we're willing to engage yeah. that. Yeah, um, yeah, that's good. So, um, yeah. Um, Buck, any final thoughts on, on discipleship in general? Something that we missed? Something that you would just like the audience to know? Yeah. I think we we covered um, pretty much a good round. Yeah. I think of it all. Well, let, listen, Sam. So w- the one thing that I think is so important in all of this, so, so you don't see it as a list of things that you do as a Christian. Okay, yeah. I, I think the biggest thing is knowing the narrative of all of Scripture. Okay. So in yeah. a nutshell, we see Genesis, God creates and he dwells with man. Mm-hmm. He's, he's in the garden with Adam and Eve. And, and, and then obviously they rebel. 
and now there's a chasm. There's a separation. Mm-hmm. So then we go all the way through the scriptures, and, and in the scriptures we see creation, we see the fall, we see redemption. Mm. All right, and that's kind of where the age we are, but we're moving toward restoration. And, and what's crazy is Genesis, he's dwelling with the people. Then in Revelation chapter 21, it says, when this is all wrapped up, when everything's done, mm. and God dwelt with man. Mm. So, so I say all this to say for, for listeners that are believers, that are maturing, maybe believers that are maybe baby in their faith life, or even maybe someone who's not a believer. I would say this, mm-hmm. you were created to dwell with God, mm-hmm. and God is going to dwell with those who follow Him. Mm-hmm. The reason why I say that is, is because it's God's plan, not our efforts, mm-hmm. it's God's plan. Mm-hmm. And so that should give us great confidence in our failures. Mm-hmm. When we fail, God hasn't given up on us. If you're under the grace of God, through the blood of Christ, don't give up mm-hmm. by faith. Follow Jesus. Keep following Jesus. Because one day, we're going to be with him again. Mm. That's the story of the scriptures. Absolutely, yeah. yeah we look forward to that day. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. almost seems like every single five, ten years, like, it's it's going to happen, right? In the next couple <laughs> years. But th- I look back, and it seems to be the story every other decade. You know, yeah. it's like, we're, he's coming this year, yeah. he's coming this year. Yeah. No, you know, so we just wait patiently, the Bible says, to uh, to be eager for that day to, as it draws near, right? To to gather together as the day yeah. draws, yeah. draws near. So. Well, even the, the beginning of uh, the, the church, there was this anticipation. I mean, there, it was so expected that Jesus would come that, that Paul had to address the situation that Christians <laughs> stopped working because they're like, you know what? Jesus is coming back. <laughs> That's crazy. And, yeah. and so there I mean, is this anticipation, this eagerness. And uh, obviously the Bible tells us we don't know when. Mm-hmm. But I will say this. Each day that goes by is another day that we're closer. Yeah. He's yeah. coming. Right, right. Yeah. That's good. I hope that gives some encouragement to you guys, the listeners. And uh, great discussion, Buck. I, I love it. Great, great um, topic. I don't know if we talk about discipleship enough or see the need for it. It's so needed. So discipling others, being discipled, um, and then just gathering together with the, with the church body. We're all needed. Everyone needs. So um, hope you guys found this encouraging. Uh, and Buck, thank you again for doing this episode. Hey, Sam. Thank you so much. Thanks, Buck. All right. Take care. Yep. Bye. Thank you again for tuning in today, guys. I really appreciate it. Your support means a lot to me, and I really look forward to doing these each and every week. If you would like to continue supporting the podcast, one of the things you can do is go to your Apple podcast and find the Genesis of Shame there and then subscribe to it. That really helps it get some traction on the iTunes podcast and will allow this to be heard by many more people. You can also follow me on Spotify and other major podcast platforms. Thank you again, guys. Have a great day.